here we are. This is Sex Love Psychedelics, and I'm your host, Dr. Kat. Bringing you psychosexual conversations that will leave you intellectually turned on and hungry for more. Hey lovers, I get questions from students and followers telling me that they have no sexual desire, that they're exhausted, that they have little motivation towards sex or sensuality. Maybe they have anxiety or maybe they just don't feel good in their body. And if you've been following me for a while or listened to way earlier episodes, then you would have heard about my health journey and my struggles with this. Now, I've personally done a lot of trauma therapy, somatic release work over the years, but there were definite times that I felt so far down the hole that the self-care wasn't cutting through the fog enough for me to sustain that healthier functioning or maintain these healthier self-care practices. Combo was an absolute game changer for me, like hitting the reset button and lifting the fog so that I could have the energy to put towards these healthier habits again. And you may have heard about the frog serum combo as a trending deep cleanse. And honestly, it's so much more than that because of how profoundly it has helped me. I decided to train to be a facilitator so that I could offer that to my clients as a tool to help alleviate the pain, the fog, and to give them a boost back to the healthy life, love, and sex. So today, I have the honor of interviewing my two master teachers, Jenny Rutherford and Steve Dumain, about what Combo is, how it can be helpful, and what the experience can entail while debunking the myths that may be impacting our ability for discernment along our path to health and healing. Now, before we get to Jenny and Steve, my erotically undone six-week course is opening up for you to start expanding your skills and embodiment as your best lover. This is hands down my favorite course that I've created to date, and it will now be available for you to take at your own pace. Good sex and cultivating those skills takes time and devotion. We don't rush our orgasms and neither should we our pleasure or our sex. So if you've been desiring to experience orgasms for yourself, embodying the archetype of the seductress, reach transcendent states of sex and develop a deep devotion to your own body and inner landscape then this program is for you. I am going to include the link in the bio so that you can receive the notification of when this course opens for you this month. Now to Jenny Rutherford and Steve Dumain, who are the founders of Combo International and my master teachers in the craft of facilitating these sessions and working with the frog. I want to thank you both so much for coming on and joining me in this conversation today. Thank you, Kat. Thank you, Kat. (laughs) So I have them calling in from two different locations and um, it's an absolute joy for me to have you both on here and to share your wisdom, uh, with the world and to just really dive in about combo and what combo is. I really, really appreciate the way that the two of you teach and the way that you conceptualize not only the work of the frog secretion, but also the concept of healing as a totality. Um, that's very refreshing to me <laughs> as a psychotherapist, uh, who is, both of the science and of the spirit and of the energetic. So the way that you fuse those two together and not 
get lost in, in just the woo woo and, and more ethereal sense of this is, is deeply appreciated. <laughs> right. Thank you. So I thought it would be great to start with just getting to the basics of combo. <laughs> you know, there's so much talked about. And I think the one thing when I tell people that I, that I work with combo, they're like, Oh, is that the, is that the toad where you get super psychedelic and you get shot off into another stratosphere? And I'm like, yeah, not quite. <laughs> no, a little bit different. Um, a little more, you get shot, bop, bop. You get shot some, something gets shot. <laughs> So if we start with explaining what combo is so everybody can follow along with us, what would you, how would you start with that? Well, combo comes from the secretion of a, a, a frog that lives in the Amazon. It's called a giant monkey tree frog or phyla medusa bicolor, which is its uh, Latin scientific name. Mm-hmm. And um, there's a lot of uh myths around Cambo as there is with everything. And so what we try to do is take away some of the, what we call USB, which is unnecessary spiritual bullshit. (laughs) I like that USB. (laughs) That's basically what we try to do is to look at it from an objective reality rather than a subjective reality, Mm -hmm. uh, which is quite helpful. And so what, how this uh, came about, of course, is the tribes, uh, and this is uh, also legend, mm-hmm. so you can take it with a grain of salt because each tribe has its own similar legend. Um, but the one that's probably the most familiar and most heard of is the one from the Katakina, or I guess it's the Kashinawa, who had a who had a shaman named Kampun, and his people were quite. Uh, not necessarily sick, but they were lethargic and lazy and having bad luck and all in hunting wasn't going well. And like he most of Americans. <laughs> no Probably <laughs> anxiety and depression. They call yeah. it. Uh, um, but they were, uh, he did not quite know how to help them. He tried many things. And so one night he went into the forest, took ayahuasca and ayahuasca showed him this frog and actually how to administer it. And he came back, gave it to his people and they all got better, his whole tribe. And so then the legend is, is that when he died, he actually went into the spirit of the frog and became part of the spirit of the frog. Now that's the legend. Mm-hmm. Uh, around it. And again, almost all the tribes have a similar legend. And so they all claim some ownership. Although the tribe that we work with, which is the Matsis, they say that nobody can actually own Cambo, which makes a lot of sense uh, around it. But um, but they have tried uh, even legally in, in some parts of Brazil. So what? They- so when you're talking about the the tribes, you're referring to South America. You just mentioned Brazil. What? Where do some of these tribes locate? Yeah, the, the ones that you're going to hear about the most, because this is where the Cambo frogs come from, is going to be uh, Brazil and Peru in the northern mm-hmm. region um, along the waterways. There, I mean, there are Cambo frogs in other places like Ecuador, Colombia, the uh, the French Guianas, but mm-hmm. We we talk about it mostly in Peru and Brazil because that's where the it came out of basically. And so we how, work mainly with the Masis who are in Peru, definitely. And there they would call it sapo, um, and in Brazil they call it 
there's always a, a little uh, argument about is it combo or cambo, and in, in each either way is appropriate. But in in a in Brazil, because of uh, they have a Brazilian Portuguese, they say it combo. Mm-hmm. So that's where we sort of get that combo. Combo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But not the, co- not a, like a combo number five that you yeah. get from In and Out Burger. It's yeah. <laughs> this is <Yeah. laughs> different type of combo. Yeah. But for those who have, who have had uh, a lot of phonics in school, a lot of them call it cambo. So either way is appropriate. Uh, uh-huh. But but how it is received, it's not taken by mouth. The secretion, uh-huh. it's, um, it goes through the lymphatic system. So there are little gates, what we call gates, that are are, are actually burned into the top layer, the first layer of skin is really relatively painless. And, um, and then we reconstitute because when we get the, uh, the cambo, it is dried. Uh, mm-hmm. They take it and they, and when they, when they take it off of the frog, they put it on a stick and dry it. And then that gets sent to us and we reconstitute it with water. And then we make little balls of cambo that's put on those, uh, those little gates Mm-hmm. And then all of the secretion goes in through the lymphatic system. Mm, I call those boogers. Boogers. Like yeah. we, we put little boogers. Campbell boogers. <laughs> How many boogers do you want today? <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I show them to my clients. Look, here's your boogers. <laughs> and then in about, I don't know, maybe 60 seconds to five minutes, you'll start feeling the effects of it. And what are the effects? Well, because this secretion is full of peptides, um, you're going to feel the effects of how those peptides work on the body. There's neuropeptides and biopeptides. So you will start feeling a little bit of flushing because there's a vasodilation. And that when the, uh, the veins dilate, that causes the blood to rush through quicker, raises the blood pressure. The heart has to pump harder to get all the blood through. And so you'll start feeling some flushing from that vasodilation in the face, some heat. You'll feel your heart sort of pounding in your chest or sometimes in your ear or neck. Um, and the blood pressure is rising. And uh, then it sort of hits a peak and then it starts to drop. And... Um, Many things can happen during those times, but again, it's all based on on science. In this respect, you might get some a uh, little bit of uh, unpleasant sensations in your stomach because one of the peptides causes um, smooth muscle contractions, and then you feel this little ball start to rise that you purge out. And that, <laughs> purge and out in one direction or another, huh? <laughs> Yes, that's the upper purge. The South Pole purge is a little different. <laughs> it's it's pretty, it, it can be quite, uh, what's the word? Not projectile. I was going to say projectile or, or violet. <laughs> violet. <laughs> so um, that's, and then you start, you feel better after with those purging. The purging helps you're getting toxins because of the, the biopeptides, it's pulling toxins out of the body also and uh, detoxing it. And you you feel better as you purge. Uh, yeah. This whole thing takes, and then eventually uh, you feel better. And, we, and, the, and the, medi- the, the candle comes off, we wipe it off. And then in about, you know, really about a minute or two, you start feeling a lot better back to baseline. Um, in a day or two, you said. Uh, you well, know, no, in about, about, 
two minutes, actually, you start oh. a little more baseline back to a little bit more normal. And you generally you want to rest. Um, and so that's about a 20 to 40 minute process, the whole thing. And then you're yeah. Done. I always say like, I get my deepest sleep immediately after the experience. I'm like, night, night. And I just roll over and fall asleep for, for, I don't know, an hour or two. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, a lot of people say that I, I, in the same way, I get the best sleep ever uh, after, after Cambo. <laughs> it's pretty nice. I think it calms because of some of the peptides in there that help to calm the mind. Um, we, we do sleep really, really nicely afterwards. I think it's so helpful to talk about the uh, potential experiences that you'll have, like you're, what you're saying with these peptides, because, and maybe we can go into what peptides are so people can anchor into to what we're talking about there. But if you didn't explain to somebody what could happen in their bodily experience beforehand, it could be very terrifying. Yes. I know the first time that I sat with this, I felt like I was a getting hit by a train and I felt like I was having the most intense anxiety come into my body and I thought I was going to die. But because the person, and I know that sounds terrible and everybody's listening they're like, fuck that. I don't want to go do combo now, but <laughs> I want to emphasize that that's not always the case <laughs> and the benefits are incredible. But because the facilitator warned me ahead of time and said, Hey, these may be things that you may experience and you may faint and you may um, experience, or the people in the other room in the room with you might experience rigor, which is this stiffening experience, which is very creepy to witness. But I already had an, a reference point in my mind of, okay, these are things that can happen. I'm not going to die. <laughs> I'm going to be okay. And to even tell them, you know, you might think you're going to die. There's a moment in combo when you think this is the end, this is it. And to let them know in advance and give them sort of, then when it happens, they're like, oh, there it is. Instead of being like, what's going on? Um, so like you said, it's, it's really beneficial to, any, and people watching something like this can be really beneficial. So once they get in there, they can sort of have a relationship to what's happening and what's going on in their body. But like Jenny was saying, um, all these things can happen and sometimes they look different. You know, they don't always look the same. So it might look different for each person. So we don't want to give anybody any absolutes around anything mm -hmm. to understand that one person might feel one thing and you might feel something a little bit different. Um, and not to get too caught up in, in that. And the practitioner, if trained properly, will know if something is uh, different enough where there's something to question, to look at. Mm -hmm. Yeah, almost like the, the, this pattern of how we attach ourselves to these images of expectation. You know, this is, this is what's going to happen to me, or this is what happened to me last time, so it's going to happen to me again, and how that can you know, activate yeah. so much, um, anticipation or fear for it. And, uh, that may not be the case. <laughs> well, because fixed expectations is one of the 10 fundamental patterns of human nature, people are going to go in there with some sort of fixed expectation around it. I, I mean, I, even when the first time I took it, um, I still had some expectations, even though I didn't know what was going to happen. Mm -hmm. I, I had uh, some expectations around it. So 
trying to, what we try to do is we try to manage people's expectations by telling them exactly what can happen Mm -hmm. rather than having them come up with their own expectations that can be, well, you know, the mind likes to make stories and, and really crazy stories sometimes. So we, what we try to do as practitioners is definitely manage their expectations around Mm -hmm. the possibilities and that they're safe. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. a lot, uh, very helpful uh, to, to the experience. Yeah, yeah. Safety and even the- something people talk about so much when they come to Combo, and people will ask you all the time, what can happen to me? You know, um, and usually we'll refer them to uh, sort of the information they can find online because, and we can, we can talk them through the different things that can happen. But like you said, to put them at ease, um, around feeling safe that you know what you're talking about to let them know about the peptides and let them know about the timing and let them know about you might have to go to the bathroom you might feel this kind of purge happening and um, I think feeling safe is so valuable in plant medicine like it goes back to that space and you know set and setting and stuff so if a practitioner yeah. can really give the um, give you true sort of the true the true feeling of safety not this illusion of safety um which is sort of we have to be able to read the difference i guess um it can be really beneficial in our world because we can bring in more people that way mm-hmm. i think a lot of people are have so much fear around entering this world of plant medicine it's not it's not it's not set up for everybody i would say so far mm-hmm. sure and i and i uh, point to the importance of vetting our our practitioners, the people that we work with, and the discernment to know whether this is somebody that that we can trust to hold that container for us, that that safe container, mm-hmm. so we can surrender into it. Yeah, I think it's why we chose to uh, more real about the experience because you know, in objective reality, if if you're looking at it in an objective way. There's not much fear in that because it's one of those things that you can't re- you, you can't change objective reality so easily. Subjective reality, well, all bets are <laughs> are off. You know, anything can happen in objective reality or subjective reality because it's coming through our own patterned mm-hmm. mind. So we can come up with all kinds of scenarios. And why we chose to take some of the the, for lack of a better term, this the USB. <laughs> because people will feel safe seeing that objective reality and what's what's actually real here and then what is just you know what's what we're uh, sort of making up for lack of a better term you know i just came from a dark retreat um this weekend that i was there for seven days in the dark by myself, no noise, no sound. And what I really learned from that was that really applies to this is the fact that our minds will make up some crazy stuff. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times we don't notice it when we're out in the world because, well, there's always a lot of visual and thing and distractions and, and ways that we can disassociate from it. But when you're in the dark, you know, you see how your mind is working and, I just thought, wow, why would I come up with something like that? (laughs) You know, but that's, I think it's our goal was to take some of that out of uh, the way for people so that they're looking at it from, 
from like sort of, um, I hate to say the truth, but, but, but the truth, like how, this is what's happening. Mm-hmm. This, you know, the first time I saw somebody faint uh, before I went to training, the practitioner told me that, oh, well, he just, uh, cause I was like, what, the, what's that all about? And he's like, well, that's, uh, he's just completely surrendering to the medicine. And even in my mind in that, I thought that just sounds like bullshit. Um, and it is. That's because, but that's how people then start thinking, oh, in order for me to surrender to the medicine, now I have to faint. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's how all those things get, get so twisted around. And there's a reason why people faint and it's all physiological with the peptides, the blood pressure drops. Mm-hmm. Now, is there a fainting that can happen in Cambo that is a disassociation? Absolutely because people will disassociate in that way because they don't have any alcohol or drugs or shopping or telephones to disassociate with. So they'll just check out their mind will completely check out. And we do see that uh, because they don't want to look at something or whatever the reason may be, it can be all kinds of things. But for the most part, people generally are fainting because their blood pressure is dropping quickly after it's been raised that it starts to drop quickly it's like standing up too quick and um, that's all physiological so you don't have to think oh that's just this is just something that happens mm-hmm. that's safety there 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 is so much safety and groundedness that we can anchor to and i i really appreciate your no bullshit approach to facilitating and teaching and talking about the combo uh, because there are a lot of myths and there's a lot of hearsay about it and I really cringe at that because I'm like, did you make that up or is that true? Or did you download that from the ethers? And, and that can be, it, it's interesting to find the, uh, like we, we create me- mythos in our culture, in many cultures. And you mentioned that about the legends to create some sort of um, meaning that our brain can anchor onto. You know, if we, we seek meaning or a brain seeks meaning to help us um, feel safe in the world or, or survive. And yet if we're not critically thinking for ourselves, or if we're not pausing to really, uh, you know, question what's being told to us, how easily we can fall into, um, some unhealthy relationships or unhelpful, uh, belief systems (laughs) or spiritually bypass these, uh, you know, what may actually be us bypassing our, our processing or bypassing, you know, what we actually need to take a look at and digest. I'm just thinking like, yeah, if somebody says, no, you're fully surrendering into, into the medicine, like, like what you said, it's like bypassing what's actually going on here. And we can, we can prevent that, or we can support that or minimize the, the danger effects of that when we really understand it. Yeah. I think understanding human nature and understanding how, I mean, this, the mind is very susceptible to suggestion. And um, that's why we have group think, right? And we have uh, all kinds of things that happen that people go, I don't even know how that all happened. Mm-hmm. Um, because there is that, because the mind can work that way rather than us developing um, our own critical thinking skills, I guess, for lack of a better term, even though that's used quite a bit, there's probably, there's so much more to that. But um, I think that 
that's what we're trying to do. And so you get a whole group, even with Campbell, you get a whole, uh, I mean, there's so many different subcultures. I mean, it, it in itself is a subculture, mm-hmm. but that was in that subculture is all these other little subcultures of, you know, this is the, this, the ones who have the only, it's all uh, esoteric and metaphysical. And then you've got the group here who are a little bit more scientific about it or a little uh, and understanding the physiology. And then you've got a whole lot of in between in all of that. And so it's, it's easy to see how people get all of these uh, different thoughts and, and myths around, around any particular thing. And of course, thing about combo. Oh, sorry. No, we're, we're drawn to those things too, because like you, like you said it so perfectly, we, we want to add meaning to, to everything. Combo has a, a, an ability almost to evade those kind of situations because in the long run, because it's such an inside medicine, it's an inside job um, that people seem to have to find their information at some point internally, because there's only so long you can look externally. And, you know, if you see somebody else fainting and think, oh, I need to faint. How am I going to do that? Or, um, or whatever it is you feel like you need to do. People will ask all the time, what if I don't purge? What if I don't do this? And all this, there's, you know, all this information that they've gotten from the outside. And then Combo will somehow bring up some information internally where they can see, oh, I can sort of live by my own rules instead of having to relate everything to what's going on around me constantly. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, which is valuable at times, but with the message, the information from Combo really shows you that you have to go inward mm-hmm. and the the farther out the more outward you go the the, the farther farther you are getting away from what you're really working on mm-hmm. so steve staying with that and unpacking that a little bit more when you say the information from combo or it's an inside job how do you see uh, combo contributing to us getting clarity or information or understanding ourselves yeah, that's a great question. So you often see combo will, because it has these bio and neuropeptides, it's working on both the body and the brain mm-hmm. um, at any time. We don't, and, uh, we don't know how much of any of these peptides it is receiving, but um, there are lots of messages that will come during combo. So people often say you receive combo the way you live your life. So you will see, um, if you were, if you deal with a struggle in a certain way, mm-hmm. um, personally, I know I would, I was a real victim in combo for quite some time. <laughs> Tell us um, this victim. What did this victim Steve looked like? <laughs> yeah. And how I would receive it. I mean, I just felt so like, Oh, what was me? You know, just like, uh-huh. so what was me? Um, and not feeling the confidence or the strength to, um, get through it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have that little switch in your brain that's like, okay, you can do it. You can do it. And it just, it really shows you there's something about, uh, I don't really, this part, I don't really understand. And maybe Jimmy has something to say about it, but there is something about it that when you're at your worst place during combo, there's something so loving in the, in the, the, the energy of this medicine um, that you feel held and that you can break through to the next step whatever that is for you. Um, do you have a thought on that, Jenny? 
Well, I have a, yeah, I do have a lot of thoughts around that mostly because, um, you know, I'm, I always think it's important that we take responsibility for our own lives. And so what I think that combo can do is sort of, you know, when we're in pain or suffering is when we're, we're sometimes much more willing to look and change. And so, um, when we are in the middle of that process where it's uncomfortable, we're, we're open to, to looking and change. And I think that's when our own, uh, the information within ourselves or our true self, whatever term somebody wants to use is more accessible to us. And so that's the part that's holding us is our own true self. The, the part of us that carries wisdom mm-hmm. and, uh, and the knowing and, um, I think that everything is information. So certainly Cambo in itself carries information, but I think that we, and we're reading information all the time. I'm reading yours, you're reading mine. Um, We read the information of our glass, all that, and it's done somewhat unconsciously, but that's, that's more my thoughts is that the, the, that we're able to access our own true self easier during that moment. And then we can feel held by our own self because mm. um, most of the time our, our patterns are sort of running the show and they're going to be defensive, put up blocks, uh, hide and avoid, um, try to disassociate all these other things. And it's really hard when you're in the middle of that sort of discomfort to do that. So yeah. that's, I don't know, there's probably other, yeah. well, probably other people have thoughts around that. That's just my thoughts around it. So, and, you know, as far as that, what Jenny just sort of described goes, we don't know if it's those peptides that is, you know, I mean, we, I assume it's those peptides that's helping us access our, whatever that is, our true self or our higher self or mm-hmm. um, that part of our being and our consciousness. It, it feels like those peptides are really opening up the pathways for you, whoever you are, to mm-hmm. really sort of step up and, you know, decide, am I ready? Yeah, there's an interesting, um, you know, as I was taking your course and studying with you over the past year, um, from my therapist lens, looking at this and, and um, notice, and from my trauma background, my trauma therapy background, uh, noticing in my own self how the experience of feeling like my nervous system was reset. You know, I, I was, uh, my nervous system felt grounded and regulated after the experience of combo, or even, even immediately after I felt a lot more grounded and clear minded. And so I saw that as, you know, you say higher self. And then from, from therapy, it would be, yeah, the self energy, this nervous system regulated grounded state where we are a lot more clear, we're a lot more confident, present, grounded, um, curious, compassionate, like we're able to access those more than when we're in a dysregulated state or when our nervous system is more of a fight or flight or freeze or fawn state, where that's where all these mental chatter and these fears and these, um, projections are are present because we are in a state of of survival. Uh, So I saw it as the peptides, and and let's be sure to define what peptides are, but 
helping the whole system to reset, to have the clarity of mind. Um, I, I got into it as a, well, I got into it because I was, I was invited into a ceremony years ago and it was that hard reset that I didn't realize that I was looking for. I was struggling with chronic fatigue and, um, foggy brain, digestive issues, um, aches in my body, a lot of inflammation and puffiness. And this was like a, you know, system restart, computer defrag. (laughs) And I come out and I'm like, holy shit, I have so much energy. I feel clear. I feel vibrant. I feel calm. I can deal with this breakup in a way that I can compassionately look at the person and be like, it's okay. We're just not a fit versus before I was like, you fucking hurt my feelings. You broke my heart, you know, (laughs) just like, Yeah, well, I mean, I think you are, I think that's just a great way of saying it, actually, um, Pat, because it's it's very true. I mean, other than the fact that we know there's a peptide that actually uh, affects the central and peripheral nervous system, and then we know there's peptides that will hit the, the some of the brain receptors, too. But, like, we're a totality of a being. We're not just all of these cells and muscle and skin. We're also an energetic system or a, or a chi system, whatever term you want to use. And we're also like a consciousness. Yeah. And so that that's a whole totality there. And so we can talk about the peptides and what they do physiological on the physical mm-hmm. level, but then, and, and then that will have an effect also on the other levels for sure, because of that totality that we have. So I think you said it in a really lovely and beautiful way that, yeah, it's a bit of a reset it really is. And, um, and I think that's a term that people use quite a bit is I just feel like I'm, like I'm reset. Like I, like you're sort of in the flow of life. Mm-hmm. And, and aren't we all looking for a reset button? Like we want that red button, that easy button or like, bing, and it just like <laughs> start again. <laughs> we talk, we talk a lot about just don't do that so often. Like do it when it's time. That reset. Tell us more. Well, there's there's so many people using medicines to sort of hide and avoid and escape life, you know, medicine. So we use the term medicine here um, for natural medicines, and uh, that wouldn't be used in the Western world. I just want to make that clear. We use the word medicine because in the jungle they call combo medicina. So when I say medicine, that's what we're referring to. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, so... If you and Ginny and I were discussing this yesterday about, you know, building that information and if you do combo or whatever ayahuasca or whatever it is you're doing, UFO is coming up on the, on the grid a lot lately. Um, and if you're doing it so often that you're not really gathering that information beforehand, or then you don't really, the learning seems to be diminished to me, um, from what we notice out there anyways, and people aren't able to have that big shift that they're really looking for because if information hasn't built, then uh, it's not ready to take the next step up or to take that person where they need to go next, possibly. Maybe I'm wrong, but it's sort of what we see over and over again is that people tend to benefit from this really uh, time in between that gives them enough time to build what it is they really need to work on because you'll think it's one thing and sometimes it's something else, you know? 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I like to, I liken it to, well, any of these psychedelics or any, you know, um, psychotropic medications as tools to be able to help us to get out of a dark hole so that we can have the energy or we have the insight or we have the ability to do the things that we need to, to keep us out of there. It's like, you know, we talk a lot about the importance of integration after an experience, whether it's a therapy session or whether it's a psychedelic um, ceremony, it's like, how are you taking what you just learned and then taking that abstract learning and put it into concrete reality with steps, with practices, with rituals? Mm-hmm. Otherwise, we and just keep go, falling back. Yeah. Falling on it. If you go back, if you go into this state where you're using it all the time, then it becomes, you know, so many people complain about Western medicine and the fact mm-hmm. that people are using it so constantly. And that's really, it seems to be to me, some of the big issues with Western medicine is that maybe some of these things are meant to get, get people through a moment and not be uh, a medication that's always people take for, you know, 10 to 15 years. I don't know. It depends what you're talking about. So this is not a general, this, this can't work for everything, but in some situation and with um, non-Western medicine, we're trying to use them, as they're needed and not they're not just to um, constantly be part of our, uh, our, our system where they're holding us to a, a state and we, we aren't able to take those steps ourselves. I really like the way you uh, stated that actually cat around the tool because uh, Campbell is tool and it can really help you um, in the moment, you know, and, and even for a couple of weeks after, but eventually that you have to do the actual work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and what's the work? You know, people want to say, well, what's the work? The work is the, is the internal uh, ability to see yourself as a reality and not, not the persona that we build and, and to see things on that level, and that's the work. <clears throat> and then to be able to actually see how we're we're working through patterns of the mind or the consciousness, and how that's running our basically running our lives. And so, why we have brought that component in is because we feel like that's a tool people can take and use after Cambo, you know, Cambo, and then then whatever realizations show up during Cambo. Now you have the ability to use these tools to actually change them on the fundamental level, which is where we want to go. Otherwise it's a very slow process. I mean, we can use these psychedelics and Cambo and all these other uh, tools, but it is a very slow process for fundamental change. It's very slow. Combining uh, pattern work or inner work with uh, Cambo or these other um, (laughs) things is like a shortcut. And so, because you're changing it at the fundamental level and that is a, a big undertaking actually for our lives, but it is well worth the undertaking if you want to have that, you know, calm and natural and happy life. And who doesn't want that? Yeah. Who doesn't want to have that? And that's sort of was our goal was to help people actually get more clarity in their life so they could, uh, 
you know, so their life could be be good. And, and then, to, and then in turn, which this is always the second part is then to help others do the same. It's a, it's like a ancient Chinese uh, or not Chinese, but probably Taoist wisdom of uh, uplift others than uplift yourself. And we try to do it the other way around. We try to uplift others thinking that's going to be our own healing our own. And it's not, right? mm-hmm. it has to go the opposite direction. So, I mean, we can talk about Cambo a lot and there's a lot to know around it, but it's really hard to, it is for me anyway, is to separate it from the other work. Um, because for me, those go hand in hand and there's, there's many other ways that you can do this kind of work. You know, like I say, I just got back from a dark room and I found that to be very, very helpful and um, quite uh, extraordinary. So, you know, I, I've been thinking about for a long time of integrating Cambo and darkroom and pattern work. Mm-hmm. So you come and take Cambo a couple of times uh, each morning, you do some work to get people prepared for that through the patterns, and then they go into a darkroom for three days. Mm. And uh, that's a step that I think would be super helpful for people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, combining modalities to 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 connect with the different, like you said, the totality, the the layers, the emotional, the mental, the physical, the energetic, um, uh, around yeah, our patterns, how we show up in the world, our behaviors, and I think that uh, coaches, I think that's what really stood out to me about one of your one of the things that stood out to me about your program and why why I studied with you was that you're teaching facilitators. Um, how to look at themselves and how to do their personal work, which can really help us to show up better for our clients. You know, we we can, uh, as therapists, we're taught to do our own personal work too, so that we don't end up transferring our our stuff or projecting our stuff onto the client, and we can hold more of a clean space to allow the other person to do what they need to do. Which is what we love about having. Uh people in the, that field, psychotherapists, counselors, because we have a few. And so we're always very happy because they, they have um, the ability to, oh, well, first of all, they're already doing their own work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's always nice when people do their own work. Exactly. Um, but they also have uh, um, an understanding too of how things work. Mm-hmm. And um, as far as, uh, you know, human nature and the mind, and so we we love it when we have uh, have people come who have those sort of backgrounds. Mm-hmm. So helpful. Yeah, yeah. And also on your website, there's links to different research articles. Um, while Combo is still pretty new in the academic and the research field, the medical field. Um, I do really appreciate how much you provide in showing what there is available for us to anchor onto and learn about. And, and uh, so for those who are curious more about peptides and peptides, again, are, um, we've, we've chased around the definition, but peptides are, <laughs> would you like to explain what those are? Yeah, um, <clears throat> because there's a, an 11 uh, essential elements that make up life and animal mm-hmm. life and human life. Um, those elements will make chains. Now they combine, they bond. I'm doing this in a very simple term um, mm-hmm. and they create amino acids. Mm-hmm. And what those amino acids do is they create, they bond together and create chains. Mm-hmm. 
So if you have over 50 combinations of an amino acids, that would be a protein. If you have less than 50, that would be a peptide. So peptides, whereas proteins generally work to the musculoskeletal system, um, the bones, that sort of things, um, hair, fingernails, teeth, the peptides generally work on um, hormones. Mm -hmm. um, well, mostly so much of those is hormones. There are other things. There's things like peptides that help you to taste beef. Mm -hmm that makes you know what beef takes, tastes like. And um, so it works on that level. And so it's, it's, I always call it like a, it's a mini protein in some ways, but not really. Short chain, I think, right? Yeah, it's just a, a short, short, short chain. I, so I like to call it a mini protein if on a better lack of term. But those things mixed with like, those two things, proteins, peptides, mixed with uh, RNA, DNA, and of course, water um, and um, collagen and that sort of things. That's what makes up human life. And again, this is on a very simple terms. That is, sure. it's much more complex than that, of course, but this is, at least gives you an idea of how peptides play a role in our, like we, like we really need to have those peptides in order mm -hmm. for things to function properly. Our mood, our satiety, um, our sex drive, all kinds of different things are related to um, the peptides and them being in balance and all kinds of other things. Yeah. Helping the body to function and, and, um, operate most effectively. Yeah. Yeah. Lovely. Yeah. The, the, uh, from what I, from what we've talked about before, you know, we've talked about some of the myths and some of the, um, uh, some of what's being shared in stories about combo and one question that I get asked from people often are things like, you know, does the combo hurt the frog? Is, you know, is the harvesting of it? Is there, um, are we, are the frogs going to become endangered? Are they going to become extinct? And so to give a more of a clear picture, because the two of you have gone down there, you've worked with the tribes, you've developed relationships with them, um, and you ethically source your, the frog serum. Can you explain to people what you've seen or how you understand that process down there? Well, as far as the frogs becoming extinct, um, we never see that as an issue because of how they reproduce. Mm -hmm. So they, as you may remember, but they lay their eggs up in the tree in a pod. And then that pod hangs in the tree until the tadpoles are big enough to protect themselves when that falls into the river the agapes below. Um, so they are then sort of strong enough to swim away and, and be a little safer than uh, most reptiles are laying their, um, or amphibians, sorry, are laying their eggs down below near the river. So the fish and other animals can eat them much more easily. So we don't, because they reproduce so rapidly, this, we don't see any issue around um, the frog becoming extinct. The, as far as how they, um, harvest the medicine from the frog. What it is is it's a secretion that comes out of the out of the pores of the skin. So it is they call it milking, and they milk them, and they take this secretion and um, it's scraped off by a, uh, with a stick. Now there's many ways that people talk about how they get the the frog to excrete that secretion. Um, 
And then there's some controversy probably around that as well, because some of them will say that they, they will tickle the frog's feet. We've heard that they will irritate the frog. Um, and, you know, from our perspective, that might seem as not friendly to the frog, but the tribes have been doing something like this for thousands of years. So it's, uh, it's quite an interesting balance for us to think that we should go around um, sort of judging their process, you know, like white man coming into jungle telling tribe, this is how you should harvest your medicine is a, an interesting conversation now with the way the, the world is. Um, so that's something that we, we don't really stick our nose in so much around. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's something that they've been doing for thousands of years, the way they do it. Um, Ginny, do you have anything to add as far as that goes, the harvesting? I think this is a really complex question because we, we only have to have trust that they're harvesting in a way that we would be comfortable with. You know, we ask them questions and they tell us. And so we have to then have trust that they're, that that's the way it's actually happening, but we're not there watching all the time. Um, and I think there will be different tribes that may do it differently. Mm-hmm. Some, sure. And so it's a really difficult question to answer. And, you know, I always say it would probably take two months or maybe two years to answer that question. And the reason I think it would take that long, is it would probably take me that long to have the growth and development with my, in myself to be able to answer the question um, in a proper manner based on the totality of life. Mm-hmm. So all we can do in the meantime is, is that we can ask the questions, which we do. Mm-hmm. We do go down. Sometimes we have people go down and, and then trust that they're, they're doing what they say. Mm-hmm. They're definitely di- going to be a different culture than our culture and how they look at things will be different than the way we look at it. You know, like some cultures eat dogs as just a staple for their diet, which we're horrified by that. But who are we to say that their culture is incorrect? Um, it's only incorrect in our eyes. So I don't know. I, I mean, this is a question that we talk about a lot. And we, uh, Steve and I, because we want to give, we don't want to like give false information. Mm-hmm. But we also, um, we don't want to make judgment also to, to any, any of the tribes uh, or to their culture. And, um, and so we, we try to be as forthright as we can be around it. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, we do have to just trust that happening the way it's, it's happening. Yeah. And there's a process of, uh, you know, you, like what you explained, and, and I think this is really important to highlight, ask questions. You know, yes, there is a level of trust. There's only so much that we can, and uh, we can't make somebody tell us <laughs> what they're doing. And um, we do have to trust, but there's also, you go through a process of asking questions. You've gone down there, you've developed these relationships. You know that they don't over harvest. You've asked, you know, you've asked these questions and, and that's something I would encourage for anybody to do, whether you're 
whether you're vetting a, a facilitator, you know, to work with and go on those journeys with you, or you are understanding the the lineage of a medicine, you know, where, or, uh, psychedelic or, or combo excretion or whatever it is, you know, do you know where it's coming from? Do you know where it's sourcing? I think for me, that creates a, um, creates a respect, but it also anchors you into, into what you're consuming or what you're bringing into yourself as, um, as versus us just blindly accepting, you know, somebody's drug on the street and hoping that it doesn't have fentanyl and like (laughs) across the board, can we get into this practice of asking questions? Um, They seem to want to respect the frog Mm -hmm. and have a lot of reverence for it because of their history with it and how much it gives back to them. You know, they obviously it's, it's a, it's a business for them now as well. Um, And it's also given them healing properties mm-hmm. um and as you said that uh, as far as over harvesting what what we've what we've learned and we don't we haven't um seen that medicine but what, what we've been told is that when they're over harvested the medicine actually isn't very strong so they're probably learning you know as they go that even to over, over harvest isn't beneficial to anybody involved yeah, it's a, then it's, they won't have anything for the next season. Sorry, Jenny, go ahead. No, that's it's a great question, and I think that's a great way to put it. But it's it is a difficult question to answer. I I feel like mostly because you know if you go to the jungle, even their views on um, on sex and taking liberties with women, their culture doesn't have a problem with that. Um, you know, our culture does and many other cultures, but their culture doesn't have a problem with it. And so a lot of times when women from the West have gone down there, some of them have been actually, you know, sexually abused. And the interesting part is that they don't see that that's a big problem. Uh, the, 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 The people there because of the fact that that's how their culture is. So those are really, that's why it makes it very difficult, you know, like um, in all of these things uh, around, and we have to go within ourselves. Like I always say, it's more important for me to go in myself, inside myself and ask myself questions. I mean, I do have to, we do have to ask the tribes too, but um, is always my thoughts around something correct? You know, or is it based on a pattern or a, a way of defense or survival? To ask myself those questions, then I can go to to ask the tribe a question without having my own issues around it and do it in a mm. matter of fact way so that they don't feel like we're judging them. Yeah, so it sounds like such a um, tricky line to to balance there as we also want to uh, create safety for ourselves in, in going into these places. I think again, which lends to the importance of asking questions and discernment and, um, but also sharing responsibility, both within ourself and the environment and people around us who's sharing in, in an experience as well. So we don't over take over responsibility for things that happen, um, just as much as we and don't falsely, and falsely sell actually. Like, 
we don't want to go around selling something that we don't know. Mm-hmm. Sure. I think a lot of practitioners will just instantly say, yes, 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 this, this, and that. And they put the frog in a throne. And, you know, I just don't know if that's the truth. So mm-hmm. um, whenever there's that over sort of, you know, when we learned about combo, we were told how how extremely well the frog was treated, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and like, we don't want to go around in that kind of feeling of blind faith mm-hmm. because, you know, Ginny always says the tribes are, are often, they have some things that are similar to us in ways, you know, they want the new iPhone and they want mm-hmm. jeans and um, they have capitalist um, sort mm-hmm. of feelings that are going on there now too. There's, there is something. So we need to be aware of what's really happening. Like if you look at the Yawanawa now, they're traveling the world and um, hosting these big events. And uh, it's very different than what, you know, you might think tribally was going on. If you really look at that from a few different angles, it's, it's interesting anyways, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And there's no judgment around that because basically everything wants growth. Everything wants growth um, and change. And that's, you know, change is the one of the very first universal laws of the universe is that everything is changes. Mm-hmm. And so we have to look at where a culture is at at the moment and how what what's what's precipitous for their change. So maybe all of this is is going to be helpful to their change also uh, around it. So it's, it's, you know, like I say, it's a complex uh, problem and, and yet um, we have to sort of allow change to happen in, in, the, in the way that it's going to happen. Hmm. Try to control change quite a bit. I think per- being perfect is also very something we shouldn't really thrive to uh, strive for with regard to that, that this whole idea around the medicine sourcing and stuff because mm-hmm. is there a perfect situation you know how many how many combo sticks are they're producing at a certain time um do we believe that it's sustainable absolutely uh, because of how they reproduce mm-hmm. absolutely do i believe that every frog has been cuddled and wrapped in a blanket and you know that situation i don't know i don't personally <laughs> not yeah um I mean, the way they look at life, they, they might see a monkey who is, uh, you know, has a baby that's it's nursing. They might capture the mother and the and the baby and they'll throw the mother on the fire. And then one of the tribes person will nurse that baby monkey. Mm-hmm. I mean, you see that that polarized uh, way of being and mm-hmm. that is quite normal to them. Yeah, because, th- you know, to eat that monkey is part of their survival for sure. Yeah. And um, and yet the fact that they have this other side where they're, you know, breastfeeding the monkey, the, yeah. the baby monkey, those are those are the things that we try to grapple with that and make sense out of it based on, you know, our own experience of life. But we can't mm-hmm. really because we're not in the situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're going to look at things that many times the tribe looks at things simply from a survival standpoint. Now, do they have their uh, legends and their shamans and all their spiritual stuff? Yes, of course they do. Um, but there's going to be a lot of uh, 
you know, there's going to be a lot of distortion, just like with human, any other human, they're human like we are. And a lot of times we talk about because we want to even dispel those myths. Yeah. Oh, the shaman said I'm destined to be a shaman. Of course, I'm sure he must have told you if you come and, you know, train with me for a year and pay me every month. He thinks you're destined to be a shaman. <laughs> No, I mean, and that's what happens. Yeah. What happens? Yeah. 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 And which lends to, you know, the, the differential uh, or uh, differentiation between judgment as hierarchy, as I'm better than you or perfection or, or my way of doing it is right. And yours is wrong versus uh, discernment, which is inner judgment of is this right for me. And I think that can only occur when we get real and raw, like the two of you are sharing about what's happening down there. You're not whitewashing it. You're not making it pretty and wrapping it with a bowl. You're saying, this is what, what is happening. And this is what's been going on. And here's this information. So you can make that, that decision for yourself. Exactly. Yeah. This is a very, um, revealing and, uh, very, real conversation that we're having with. And I'm hoping that this, this talk inspires a lot of people to pause, to question, to take more responsibility and action in their both vetting process, um, their uh, spiritual journeys, their medicine journeys, their, you know, uh, and, and, and our work. So I want to thank you both so much for coming on. How can they find more about you? Where can they go to train with you? Where can they find the information? They can go to um, our website, which is cambointernational.com. And there's all kinds of information there. Like you said, on on research, there's information on our training Mm -hmm. uh, and the scheduling of that. Um, Steve, do you want to add to that? Yeah, there's a practitioner directory there. Yeah, um, where you can find a practitioner that's near you. No, that's great. Um, and that's uh, a great place to find somebody that you might relate to and you can write to a few people. You know, I think Ginny and I talk about try out different practitioners, mm-hmm. feel it out, Have, you know, touch base with them before you make a decision. Um, don't choose your comma practitioner based on price. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you get what I mean, you pay for. <laughs> I mean, well, you know, you do and you don't, but just in general, like that wouldn't be the first go-to because people will call and that will be the first question they ask. Um, one of the things I wanted to mention is people will often, Ginny mentioned clarity as something people receive or that they find their own clarity, but people will come and say, what am I going to get? And I think mm-hmm. what we keep saying here, what we said all day is like, you're going to get what you figure out how to get whether it's clarity, courage, um, it has to come. And you, and you keep, you kept saying responsibility that people will come and they want the practitioner to be responsible for them. And when they're mm-hmm. really looking to figure out how to take responsibility for their life. Mm-hmm. And that's Ginny and I talk so much about that. And Ginny mentioned it earlier. We hope so much that people will come to this work to find out how they can have that. It's so, it's really empowering. Mm. Yeah. Thank you. And yeah. So if you're curious about um, going on this journey, um, I highly recommend their practitioner database. Um, this is a legal substance, so it's non-psychedelic. 
It's fully legal. I think the tests that have done have come back and shown that there's no toxic uh, material in, in the combo medicine. So it's very safe um, as long as you're working with a practitioner who knows what they're doing. <laughs> so again, thank you both so much. Well, that was fun. Thanks for tuning in, lovers. And if you want to experience more ecstasy and sexual liberation, head over to sexlovepsychedelics.com and learn about how you can join me for any one of my online or live events. And while you're there, grab my free guide on sex and psychedelics. Remember, this podcast is for entertainment and educational purposes only. Please contact your healthcare provider and local law before pursuing any of the products or psychedelics discussed. And one final note here, I make this show specifically for you. If you're loving the show, then be sure to leave me a review in iTunes or Spotify to let me know. Happy to be here and happy to serve. I'll see you next time on Sex Love Psychedelics.